Lucas Mello aren't legally allowed back into Nebraska. everybody it's the 18th of november 2013 at least it is a time of recording um if you're listening to this on the podcast ben's probably taken two or three weeks to actually edit it um but uh you know you should probably subscribe on youtube it's more fun we've got search for php town hall on there and you can uh you can watch them live so we've got a bunch of people live here now you can talk on youtube i think you can talk on the google plus page i have no idea how any of that shit works but you can definitely talk on uh, hashtag uh, hash PHP Town Hall uh, on Freenode IRC. So without bump out of the way, um, I'd like to welcome uh, Taylor Rotwell back to the show for the second time, and Zach Gitzmiller back for the fifty second. Uh, you joined us episode one, which was awesome, and we were chatting about um, what the hell were we talking about? Composer and kind of it was kind of announcing Laravel for as a thing because no one was really using it at all. Yeah back then how have things come along since since last year uh last year see i pulled up some um some analytics since we were talking about this before the show and it looks like uh, in terms of website traffic we've basically a little more than quadrupled so like this time last year we were getting about four thousand hits a day on laravel.com and now we're at about twenty thousand hits a day so definitely 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 a lot more interest you know in the framework and it's been crazy, honestly. We've had, I guess, since past year, we've had two Laracons, uh, the first U.S. one and then the, the Amsterdam uh, European one. And now we're already planning, like, Laracon version two. Yeah, I, I saw on Twitter, it's public knowledge now, that it's going to be in New York. Uh, I don't know. That's one of the leading cities, like, we're looking at, and we have a couple other cities we're also looking at, but... Um, Taylor, I, think it will, I, I think it will be East Coast-ish, you know? Yeah. But Taylor, I know two great developers willing to talk if it's in New York. Does one of them's name start with uh, Zach? And the other one is Phil. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Laracon, uh, the second one, I think it's okay to say, is going to be basically twice as long. We're going to have two full days instead of a day and a half. Nice. And we're aiming for like 15 speakers. I can't remember what we had at the first one, like seven or eight maybe. Yeah. And um, we're trying to bring in some people also that are like some pretty well-known speakers that aren't necessarily like Laravel people, but just cool developers in general to talk about a variety of things. And then, of course, we'll have some Laravel speakers as well and uh, cool social stuff, you know, after party type stuff. It'll be fun. The big question, though, is Zach Kitzmiller speaking. I don't know. We have, we'll have to send a uh, – a, uh, what's it called? An abstract or whatever. The trouble is, um, there isn't a Hooters near the venue, so I'm not sure if me and Zach will be interested this time around. <laughs> not true. Not true. I'm always down to speak for, at your conference about whatever you'd like me to speak, Taylor. Yeah, I'll have to be sure to put Phil in the afternoon again. Yeah, that's a good move. I did a talk, <laughs> I did a talk at Dibby, and they had me on at 10 o'clock in the morning. I thought, you bastards. I was right after the original <laughs> keynote. It was the worst party I've ever been to. Um, <laughs> yeah. You put me on like a 9 a.m. one time, Phil. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. That's because I don't like you that much. <laughs> yeah. We have uh, Focus Labs who built Snappy, are building the Laracon website right now. So it's looking pretty cool. We probably have some pretty cool swag, T-shirts and badges and 
Nice. It's going to be slick. Nice. Well, um, that's, I guess, yeah, Laracon covered. Um, yeah, we should have more details, like, into this month, next month. We should have a page up. So. Okay, because it's going to be like ne- like a full year away from now, pretty much, isn't it? So. Well, we're looking at like May, May. Oh, okay. May. Yeah, I got plenty That's of time. Good. Got to get the blind yeah. bird tickets out nice yeah. and quick. So. February. February was too cold. Yeah. Um. Yeah, February's cold. Worth, Taylor, Taylor, if you have any hesitation about me speaking, I did get my <laughs> pants fixed. <laughs> what was wrong with your pants? Oh, you did you miss I my? I think thought? I missed this story. Hold on. Yeah. I wasn't looking at your pants. I don't think. Oh man, my so I had a problem with my pants. Were they on? Well, my pants were on, but the uh, fly <laughs> they was, were on backwards uh, was ruined. So the, uh, during the talk, the the fly was down. I had to I had to, somebody made a comment about it. I never heard anything about that. Yeah, wow. well, he was he was saying before he's a little bit worried about whether he should you know go on or 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 try and fix them or try. And, <laughs> we were trying to find like um, a safety. I was trying to find a pin. Pin, yeah, trying to sort of fix that. And I was like, look, we're not going to fix this. We don't even have any tape. We got nothing. You're just going to have to go on there, own up to the fact that you know that your flies are fucked, and just get on with your day. So I went on there, and he's like, so before we get started, I just want everyone to know that uh, I my flies are open. And you might be able to see my penis. And I took a, I took a. Um, I didn't a use that kind of hands. language though, because it wasn't an appropriate. Thing. I knew oh, there yes, was no, going to be some PHP it. drama. Yeah, <laughs> but no, he had his hands up with this. He's like, I know about it, all right. And uh, someone took a photograph, and he then became a, a meme. And it was like uh, Grumpy DevOps was just, uh, um, uh, how many fucks do I give about MongoDB and just lots of phrases like that. So it worked out pretty well. It's funny because um, I don't know anything about DevOps. Right. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, you pretend you do. I guess you work with people that do, so that helps. I out. do. Joe's does. Yeah, Savant on Twitter. He knows all the shit. Uh, Very smart. Yeah. Oh. I like that guy's. Uh, I like his uh, Twitter profile. Joe's? Yeah. I can't remember what it is. It's like Cake PHP Expert, No JS Rockstar for 15 years. I don't know. It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Was he the guy that has like a HTML4, uh, a CSS4 expert and stuff like that? Or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Job and Starboard, 20 experience Rails, 33 years, 33 years with CoffeeScript, no JS. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. There you go. Oh, good God, Joe's. Yeah, yeah we had him on the show and he wasn't as trolly as he normally is. Like, uh, really? Usually he's, well, usually he's about as drunk as I am, maybe more. <laughs> and uh, we take the piss off each other all the time. And he came on the show, and I made like one little like cake ah, PHP joke, and he was just like, "Yes, well, anyway." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is awkward." <laughs> Never mind. Uh, yeah. Well, back on track to, to questions and things. Um, so, like, you've got four times the amount of traffic that you have now. I mean, the GitHub profile seems to be doing pretty well. You've have you still got like? Sh- how many how many pull requests and contributors and, and stuff like that would you say you get an average day or week? Gosh, I swear I work I wake up with like fifty emails a day. And <laughs> uh I don't know how many I get a day. Uh quite a few. I try to close at least like three or four a day, otherwise it just gets outrageous and I lose track of everything. Um but one nice thing is Ian at Userscape gives me the last week of every month, like as a solid Laravel week. Wow. And like usually, even if I have like 200 issues that week, I'll be able to knock out you know quite a few and get back to some rational number. But uh, 
Yeah, I found if I close like three or four a day, I can pretty much maintain. I can't really like lower it, but I can keep it where it is. Um, and I think we have a couple hundred contributors uh, right now. And yeah, it's pretty it's pretty wild. I actually uh, I actually had to turn off issues on the documentation repository recently and just went all pull requests. That's a smart move. Yeah. Just because it's text. If anyone's saying, oh, there should be a comma on line 32, then shut up, click edit, and add a comma. It's a lot easier. I think you yes. can do that all on github.com now, too. Yeah, totally. You yeah, can you just can do add, it all. add new files and edit them. Yeah. Sorry, I'm messing around with my earphones here. You can add new files and edit them and, um, and do everything through the, through the interface. So there's no reason to tell someone about a text change. You just make the text change. Yep. So uh, how overwhelmed do you get by the number of issues? Uh, it depends on my mood that day. <laughs> I'd love to see. I'd seen this pattern with you, and it was it was awesome. You started, and you were like this this Opie kind of character. Like <laughs> you were just so happy, and you loved everyone, and you were so yeah. excited for open source. And you've just slowly transformed into this. Just fuck off, man. Pull requests, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I don't. I mean. I think sometimes I have to be a little more terse than I was at the beginning just because of time constraints. So like a lot of times on an issue, all I can say is like, I can't reproduce this, you know, and like hopefully they give me some more information, but I don't have the time, you know, to keep digging on it for an hour like I used to when there was not as many people using the framework. And um, the same thing with like a lot of times I'll get pull requests, say for like SQL Server or something. It's like, I don't have time to set up like an Azure database and test out SQL Server crap. So I just have to ask for pull requests and hope people do it because I can't, I don't really have time to mess with that kind of thing anymore. Mm. I mean, for that, do you think it'd be worth setting up like a, uh, a test database? I'm trying to think of how you could do it. Cause if you, if you had a test database that was kind of, uh, that you yeah. test Laravel, then it'd be open and anyone could fuck with it, and that would be a mess. Yeah, I'm sure I could set up something like on Travis with like a some kind of environment variable or something, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I still try to be, I still try to be really involved because from the beginning, like the community aspect was such a big deal for Laravel that I don't want to really lose that. So even though I can't really like elaborate as much as I used to on GitHub or help out as much on IRC. I still try to be, you know, somewhat involved. Yeah, and you're not as bad as I made you out to be, but at least for, uh, <laughs> for example purposes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, times are different, though. Times have changed. I mean, back when there was like 10 people on the forum, I could get on and answer like paragraphs and stuff. But <laughs> Yeah, when you, um, about a year ago was when there wasn't, anyone really using uh, Laravel, and I'd kind of come on Skype and be like, Taylor, I'm stuck, and you'd help me with the problem and code it all, and uh, well, you were like beta, you were like beta tester number one for Laravel 4.0, so yeah, it was pretty crazy. But there would just be like those hour-long conversations where we're trying to work some mad stuff out, and then it would get resolved. But now it's uh, now you you help me out a fair bit, but it, it the the answer send a pull request does come a fair bit quicker now, which is which is fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I found that one today with the uh, you know the new routing system for Laravel 4.1 needs the needs the comma in place. Yeah, but you forgot you forgot to fix two other like spots, so I left you I left you a comment. <laughs> I'll send those two pull requests as well. Name done. But uh, that kind of brings me on to actually to the next thing, which is um, four point one. So I've noticed that um, 
uh, D-Bow's gone, and um, you've replaced the Symphony router as well now. Yeah. And now I'm in America. Um, yeah. What what was what do you think that were the major speed benefits from getting rid of the Symphony router? Because you've got the same API, it's just quicker. Does, yeah. it, does it not quite do as much? Was there functionality that was hidden? Well, I think like Laravel had certain ways we did things with our routing. Like we had the resource routes and the way we route to like controller classes and stuff. And to like wrangle that in to work with Symphony was almost like managing two routing layers that were like totally independent and had to mash all together. But since we just like, if we drop Symphony and just stick with like the HTTP foundation as our common ground with the requests and response stuff, our data structures are just so much simpler than having to like massage all that stuff into Symphony's, you know, classes and objects and stuff. So it, it made it just a lot less overhead in that sense as we can just like throw routes in an array. Basically, as you give them to us, we don't have to mess with them or anything or convert them to a different kind of object. So it's just a lot faster, a lot less crap going on. And it's like twice as fast just because it's so much simpler. <clears throat> with the uh, Doctrine stuff, like we had that whole dependency just because, just rename. to rename columns, basically. Yeah. So we just moved that to the suggest on composer and say, Hey, if you want to rename columns, just add this to your composer file done. That makes sense. I saw, I saw someone saying like, there's going to be a big performance boost now that doctrine's gone. And I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> firstly, it wasn't actually doctrine. It was doctrine debout, which is kind of the base yeah. abstraction layer. That's what it stands for database abstraction layer that they use for the ORM. And secondly, unless you're running a migration, then it doesn't make any difference. And if you are running a migration, you still need it. So yeah, there was kind of this point in time where like, it was a big deal that Laravel was like 20 mega, 20 megabytes or whatever. And people were like really freaked out about that as if it was like the year 1997 or something. So uh, we just dropped that dependency basically to kind of ease up on that a little bit. Mm. I mean, with the, I, I literally could not care less how large my vendor <laughs> folder is, uh, because yeah. it, unless it gets to like a gig, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. with, with the vendor folder, all you're doing is you're downloading and installing, and sure, Composer can take a long time, um, but you can speed it up, right? So if you have the uh, preferred dist um, true tag on, then it will try and get a zip file when it can, which is much yeah. quicker. Um, if you have uh, prefer stable, then there's a much better chance of you not getting git code instead. Um, and uh, what the hell else? Oh yeah, preferred distribution will all, uh, also use a uh, local cache if, if it's already downloaded that zip file as well. Um, yeah. So you can make Composer a lot quicker. And uh, what I've started doing actually between deploys, we use a Capistrano style deployment thing where it has like slash var slash dub 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 slash releases and then a hash of the commit. I just copy the vendor folder from one to the other and then run Composer install again which obviously looks at the lock, looks for any differences, then just grabs that one package. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even if my even if my vendor folder was a gig, and I'd just copy that gig straight over, and then it would like change two packages, so it wouldn't wouldn't ever care. Yeah. Yep. So we dropped those two things, and we added a bunch of stuff, a bunch of cool stuff. Um, new remote command, new remote component thing, which lets you like SSH into a server and do whatever you want. And that makes it, that gives you a lot of cool stuff for like simple deployment uh, setups. If you're just building a basic site, you can throw it up on your server pretty easily. Um, it's kind of nice. like a it's kind of like Fabric for Python in a way. So my initial how... reaction to that uh, remote SSH thing was incredibly negative, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really didn't like it. But I 
I've, I've been playing with it the last couple of days, and I think it might have some quite reasonable merits. And I'm going to yeah. keep playing with it and see see how it goes. Because what were your concerns? And, well, my concerns is like, about. why rewrite Fabric if Fabric's already a thing? Yeah. But, the, uh, you, you know, working with, you know, projects where you're, uh, you know, like, like on the side where you're really not allowed to work in other languages, having this sort of functionality to be able to shell into a box and run arbitrary commands is quite useful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm starting to see the merits in, in, you know, porting something or not even porting, but having this functionality available. Yeah. It's, it's actually really nice. Yeah. I see a couple of features in Laravel and I look at them and think that you could probably, you should probably use a specified tool to do that. But um, the way that the way that a lot of these features work, um, like the the read write slaves, which we can probably talk about more in a minute. Like uh, we were talking about a feature where you could have um, uh, read only slaves, and you put in a, an array in the database config, and yeah. it will every time it tries to connect, it picks one of those at random to essentially load yeah. balance your database connections. And that would be a very good feature to have in Laravel, and it fits in with how several other features work. But yeah. people were saying, oh, you should use HA proxy for that. Sure, if you have the ability to set up an entire architecture of different boxes with different software on them. But if yeah. all you have is Laravel, then you can get a very basic uh, feature set working. So if you can't set up Fabric or Chef or anything else, um, then kind of having some basic functionality is helpful. And then as soon as you outgrow your needs, then you should probably switch to something else. Is that yeah. kind of what you were thinking? Yeah, or? and there are other things, like there are other things coming that will make the SSH stuff make more sense. Um, but yeah, that's basically the idea. And like there, there have been other situations that are similar, right? So like assets, for example, uh, we could have like a pure PHP CoffeeScript compiler, like those exist, right? Yeah. But they're just like always way behind and crap and it just hasn't really been feasible. And it's a lot easier to like set up CodeKit than do or to just like download that and use it than set up like Python and Fabric and stuff for some people. So it was a pretty simple component to write. You know, we could use the uh, PHP security lib for like all the really low level stuff and just kind of put a nice interface on top of it and done. But yeah, there's more stuff coming like around the same time as Laravel 4.1 that's going to help it all make sense more. One pretty cool thing I noticed in 4.1, which again is... Um, you have some basic functionality just out of the core with basic PHP, and then if you install other tools, you get more stuff. Um, you've added support for the Boris, um, yeah. REPL, whatever. Yeah, uh, that's pretty slick. About that and why? So right now in Laravel 4.0, we have this artisan command called Tinker. If, if you type PHP artisan Tinker, you basically get like a a basic command line for Laravel, and you can like new up your models and save stuff to the database and, and stuff like that. So but it's like super basic and if like an exception happens everything goes to crap or if like uh to see a variable you have to like bar dump it and put like the semicolon and everything it's just really kind of finicky are you talking so, about when you just use php interactive basic as yeah and 4.0 yeah in 4.0 you can't even hit left like if you hit left then it will um right immediately dump like magic characters into the input we had the same problem with fuel php and we ended up if you use the um the PHP readline command with lib readline installed, then you can do some stuff. You can kind of go left and right, and you can go 
you can hit up and you get like or you know the last line that you put in you get history um and you can get like double tab um completion but it's still really janky and you again you have to like var dump anything you want to see and if you put in a syntax error the syntax error doesn't affect the the line you put it on it affects the next line which is technically valid and has garbage left over yeah. and it's just a mess so boris is really cool right yeah yeah so 4.1 uh like you were saying we we have this boris thing where if your install has read line and has that POSIX or whatever extension then you will get into the Boris shell, which is just a ton better. And it like has safe exception handling and like every statement kind of dumps out the result. Sort of like if you played with like the Rails console or something, um, you get the same type of thing. So it's just a, a ton better. But uh, if, if, your system, if your system can't handle that, we do fall back to the um, kind of the basic shell. So you don't really lose cool. anything. I mean, I haven't used Tinker in Laravel much. Yeah. Or it's already, I mean, there's been once or twice where I kind of wanted to like find the result of a, of a, of a model call. So I just did like find one, yeah. dump. oh, it exists. Um, the reason I haven't used it that much so far is because PHP is really weak at doing it. Um, yeah. So when you look at other, other languages and other frameworks, like you're playing with um, Django or, or Rails and you're like, ooh, the console's really good. Isn't Rails good? It's nothing to do with the fact that Rails or Django are magically better at being a framework. It's that the, the the tool they're built on top of is substantially better. Um, yeah. The PHP console, completely out of the box, is unfortunately a complete piece of shit. Yeah. Um, with with libevent, it's a bit better, and with Boris, it's awesome. So, um, I found like I still like I don't think that way yet. Like I still my natural direction is like if I want to test an eloquent query, I'll just go mess like I'll make a test route. Like I yeah. I still haven't got yeah. my brain trained to like use yeah, the the Boris stuff. Yeah, well, uh, Zach, you know what about it. carry on. No, go ahead. I was going to say, like, uh, you you can say as much as anyone, like, about the way that it generally works in Python is you download a new package that you want to work with and you want to test out how it works. You just fuck around in the command line and you, you know, you put in your, um, you put in your access tokens and your secrets is a string and then you type two commands and instantly you've downloaded something from the Twitter API and your posting statuses, right? You just kind of yeah. sit there and fuck around and then once you've got some stuff that works, you copy and paste all of that and then kind of, tweak it a little bit and then you have your controller that mostly works yeah i mean sort of i mean my python workflow isn't much different than my php workflow where i just you know whatever framework i happen to be using build out some bullshit endpoint that is called you know slash does this work <laughs> and then shoot a bunch of print statements out to the console you know it's not any different than in php when i just make a bullshit route and then var dump whatever I need, you know, I kind of, I mean, it, it seems to be a lot smoother in other languages just because the tools are made in such a way. So like even, even now there's no way in hell that I'd ever download a composer package and then run up PHP hyphen a, and then try and work with that package in the command line and see if it works. But all the time, like, especially when I was doing more complicated stuff for capture where we're trying to send out uh, push notifications via the APN network and all that kind of crazy crap. Um, if you have to hit a PHP, uh, if, you, if you're trying to like, if you're working with Python workers, for example, and there isn't actually any sort of uh, web server pointed anywhere near it, it's quite often quite common that you'll try and have as few working parts as possible. So you just, you know, you make, 
you make like an MVP or you make a, a very small version of the code you want to run just in the console and get that working. And then I, and then I shove that into a Python file and kind of do some printing from there to make sure it mostly works. But if you have to, if you have to like hit an API over here, which talks to a Python worker over here, and then you have to check a log file over there, then it turns into a bit of a mess without something like a REPL. No, yeah, I mean, the REPL's great. I, I mean, REPLs are just great in every language, but mm. my workflow is still very much rooted in PHP, which I've, you know, grown up with, which is make a bullshit route and bar dump. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's I awesome. just figure out how to do that in whatever language I'm using. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, okay, Stack Overflow. How do I var dump in Go? <laughs> yeah. Like, eventually you figure it out, and yeah. you know, I mean, my my heart and you know, child upbringing is in is all in PHP. So yeah, um, that's always my like go to query. Well, speaking of Go, you've been playing with that recently, and you did a hack project with it the other day. I was having a look did. at the code, and it looks pretty cool. Uh, tell us a bit about how how he's kind of learned it that night, didn't you? You just kind of fucked around with Go immediately and, and started making something. How how was the learning process for that? And yeah, so I spent um, I've been playing with Go on the weekends, like in my spare time or whatever, for a couple of weeks, and you know you can follow the tutorials and like sort of like get your feet wet and go but like actually building something with you know a compiled statically typed language is can be daunting i guess but i uh we had an internal hackathon at SeatGeek this week and did basically you know build whatever you want in 24 hours or 36 hours or whatever it is and i decided to build this like small service and go um it's quite interesting to play with a, a statically typed language when you're not used to it. Have um, you had the background in any other static languages? Or is this your first? I mean, college, for the short amount of time that I went to college, was C. So yeah. I do have like a little bit of statically typed history, but um, yeah, nothing I've, professional. I've been in Go, but I do have the background in C, so... The concurrent stuff sounds interesting, but it's kind of hard for me to think of like fun project problems for that. You know what I mean? The concurrency stuff is really where Go wins. Like, yeah. Go just has this built-in keyword for starting a new thread, and in this thread, you can really just do whatever you want, and and that's really cool. And there's a lot of thread languages, and and that's great. Like even Python has like multi-processing, right? And and the the, the threaded like stuff sort of built into the standard library but go has this like concept of channels which is not something that i've seen before and it could just be my complete ignorance in like multi-processing threaded languages but these these channels are really cool because you can sort of define a channel and pass it around and this channel in the go world basically says you've got this variable and you, it's it's of type channel and you can pass it between like two or three or more methods and each one of these individual threads will block waiting for a response from a channel so it sort of simulates like a while loop and you can have all these other threads fired off from your main thread 
that are just waiting for response from a channel. And anything can input into these channels. Like you could have like Reddit's PubSub, just like you can have a, a, a channel, a Go thread with a channel waiting for like some kind of PubSub from Reddit or RabbitMQ or any sort of like backgrounded task that's just waiting to get a response. And when it gets a response, it can punt it off to another thread or handle it inline or whatever. It's just quite interesting the way that the concurrency model works in Go. How does it handle the waiting? So let's say let's say we're waiting for a Redis pops up. So if you were to start a Go process, and we might be getting horribly technical for a podcast, but does it um is it just a long running process, or how does that work? Yeah. So like when you compile your Go app, it it's just a binary that runs as a daemon, just like you know MySQL does. Okay. Okay, that's cool. But you can. The, what's really interesting is these, the the way that it handles the threads, and you can just punt to a thread, and this thread is just you define a thread waiting, listening for a response from some input, and the input could be a web server, or it could be like a Redis queue, or it could be RabbitMQ. It's just anything, and it's off doing its own thing in one binary, but in the same binary, you're still also listening and handling web requests but just often this other like world also continuously handling pubsub okay yeah. and it's just fascinating that you can handle all of this in a single you know 600k binary yeah how's the build process on uh incredibly fast yeah yeah and um all of the dependencies assume git so like in the beginning of your go file like at, at your like your you know your your source code you do like a python import you can just throw a fully qualified github url <laughs> and it just works that's cool which is really cool how bad's the setup for your local dev environment 10 minutes you can brew install go oh shit and then right. it's done um, it has sort of a similar dependency problem that Python does, um, where you can have like different versions of dependencies that you want to wait for or use or rely on. So I whipped together something similar to Python's virtual ems, mm -hmm. um, which relies on bash, but I use fish shell. So I call, <laughs> call it go fish. I run into that problem so many times. Um, I use fish too, and it's everything relies on bash. Yeah. No so, one no one laughed at GoFish. I I'm sorry. I, I threw together this thing called GoFish, which is just a virtual M wrapper clone, but for fish and Go. Oh sweet. Send me a link to that or post it in the It's on my GitHub. You can just check it out. I'm not gonna search your GitHub. I, I will send it to you. <laughs> so I care, but only if it takes me as long as clicking on a link. Because after I that, I feel like I... we completely derailed this conversation with things it's, unrelated. It's to Go Town yeah, Hall with Ben and Zach. <laughs> Taylor's replaced his uh, video feed with a, a photograph of his face. <laughs> yeah. I'm just pretty much surfing the net at this point. Oh, he's just browsing All the right, internet. Back on topic for the town hall. Yeah, let's, let's get back on topic. Uh, yeah, so uh, question one, when is Laravel switching to Go? <laughs> I don't know. As soon as I learn Go, I guess. Yeah, I'm working right. on the port right now. I'm going to send a pull request tomorrow. There you go. Awesome. 
Uh, the, the actual last question I have about Go is how good is it at web scraping compared to Node.js and PHP? <laughs> Do you know that I've been doing web scraping today? How, how has that been going? Very well. <laughs> I'm using Scrapey in Python. Nice. There you go. It's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was just meant to be a joke to reference my article, which was ridiculous, but moving on. Um, Good try, Phil. Yeah. No, I want to talk about me. It's all about me, okay? Uh, it's like I've heard someone else talk for like more than a minute now. Let's bring I'm it back so bored. Phil. I want to go on a fucking rant. <laughs> I want to read about something. I don't know. No, Zach, uh, back to you, actually, and bringing it back to Lara Phil. I've, I've been talking nice. to a couple of Python uh, developers recently who wandered off to Django or, or other frameworks and have recently been considering Lara Phil. Uh, I was chatting to a guy the other day. He used to work for... Uh, he used to work for the Huffington Post. He's been doing a lot of um, Django work and then recently just got fed up with it and decided to switch back to Laravel. Uh, how, how do you decide when to use Laravel or some Python goodness? I mean, I guess picking the right tool for the job is hard. Yeah, but we're PHP hard developers, so we have to use right? the same tool for every job because learning more things is hard. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I've been going actually to Laravel more and more for my like go-to tool for solving problems, but I don't know. That's a that's a hard question. I mean, if you don't know what tool to use, then maybe you shouldn't be a fucking carpenter, you know? <laughs> yeah. But a lot of things for me it comes down to who am I going to be working with and what do they know? You know. So like yeah, if I'm working with you know a junior guy on my team, he probably only knows PHP, and so I'm not going to throw Ruby at him. Even though it might be a better tool, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the first question we've had from any of our uh, listeners in the longest time because everyone just kind of watches and goes, and eh, doesn't ask us any questions. We're meant to be town hall. We're meant to be discussing your issues, just as a reminder. Uh, but, yeah, one of our listeners did ask, uh, how, how would you pick to use something like Laravel or when would Python be the right thing to use? Because they've heard me mentioning about using Python a bit of capture. And generally, like... Long-running command line processes and worker things and uh, and anything that's going to be doing a lot of work for a long time, I quite like having using something that's not PHP for that. Just because, although it can like it's not really meant to. It's best not to just kind of crowbar command line stuff into PHP for the sake of it. Um, I mean, I don't know. There has to be some decision process other than. If I'm going to be working with someone that only knows PHP, I guess I use PHP because they can't handle it. Um, my, my, my usual go-to is PHP if it's anything web-related because sod it. And if it's going to be command line, then I probably end up doing it with Python um, and shove it on a different server just for speed's sake. Anybody else have any go-to why is, um, why is Python your choice in that case? Is it because of, is it better? I mean, like, is it faster in that case? I feel like the the garbage collection is much better. Um, for some of the jobs, like Python isn't necessarily the one very best tool for the job for command line workers, but it's definitely better than PHP. Um, the reason we switched to one of the workers being in, in Python was that like doing image processing in Python is just, like recommended by Zach is just really really fucking easy. Like there's one library called Pill. Where you just like two line, two commands, and it's and it's all just done. Um, whereas trying to do that same thing in PHP is like you just haven't got any packages that are up to scratch. 
Yeah, I know that's something I've ran into a lot. So a lot of the times where I ended up using Ruby, it wasn't because Ruby was actually better for any, you know, real reason. Yeah. That's because the gems are so much higher quality than most of the PHP loves. And so, you know, there's a lot of times, especially like OAuth stuff, because PHP really sucks with OAuth, is like there's a gem and I pull on the gem and I'm done in 10 lines of code, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess that's um, that's pretty much what Zach uh, is going to be talking about soon. Are you No, you're writing a book about this, aren't you? You're doing a service-orientated architecture. I am. I am writing a book on service-oriented architecture. And like the TLDR of the entire book is kind of the dirty little secret of being a relatively reasonable web engineer is that, you know, whatever language you pick doesn't really matter. And like be productive and do things like sort of quickly. And that's probably good enough. Maybe that's what happened with healthcare.gov. Yeah, well, that's exactly the opposite of what happened with healthcare.gov. What would you actually to... use for that? It's, uh, it's, 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 I know there's a lot of spring involved. Mm. But, well, uh, then surely it should be web scale. You know, are you, are you eating again? We've had complaints on Twitter about Phil eating during podcasts. I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, in Brussels, are you channeling Gruber here? Sorry? <laughs> You're channeling Gruber. I'm trying to trying to pull one of those. I don't know any of the words you just said. Uh, Gruber, <laughs> John Gruber, he's like known for just like smacking and eating during his podcast. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm doing that. That's me. <laughs> um, actually, really? I'm also. What, what are we drinking? Today? I've got I've got a white label all over my bottle. <laughs> my uh, the label on my bottle is inside out. Look, it's it's all white, but on the inside. <laughs> There's uh, there's look there's nice. there's the label inside. That doesn't make any sense. Um, did you oh. get this in like a discount bin, or where did you get this? I mean, I'm I'm actually worried about whether I'm actually drinking beer at the moment. It did, did you rob a hobo? <laughs> you rob a I don't know. That's what I get for shopping at Costco. <laughs> sure, there's no Costco here. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm in Williamsburg, so I just shopped at this like uh, Whole Foods type organic bullshit place where everything is 10 times more than it should be. <laughs> but of course, I am wearing skinny jeans and a lumberjack shirt, so I'm doing everything right along with shopping at Whole Foods. Phil, you were asking me something, and I don't remember what it was, and I thought I started answering, but I might not have. Service-oriented architecture about, uh, yeah, you were saying languages don't really matter, and something I was suggesting for your book is your, your book's going to be about um, service-orientated architecture in Laravel, and a lot of it will just be kind of making little PHP apps that, that have HTTP interface kind of stuck in the way. So Wait, you is, it, stuff. is it Laravel specific? That's, yes. So It, it actually is going to be because... I'm so disappointed in you right now, Zach. Yeah, I was going to say, you should have, you should have a bit, like, languages don't matter. That should really play a no, part and have, like, different languages. No language. See, I, the I'm beard not. makes me think assembly, but then... No, like, languages I mean, don't matter... And the bottom line is, you know, I really enjoy writing PHP because I like PHP and I really enjoy Laravel because Taylor knocked it out of the park with a good framework. And I can use that to make requests to services I write in whatever language I want to if I feel that that service is best suited for a language. 
that's or what a I framework was, or whatever. And that's what I was hoping because I asked you, you about can't. it the other day, and you were saying that I said, "Are you going to do about how you can do it in basically any language?" And you were kind of saying, "No, it's pretty much just going to be about PHP. If the services are in different languages, then that's awesome. Um, that's exactly what." <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. I'd read that book. I've got one copy sold. Changed languages. <laughs> Done. I'd be all over that. It's good because it's fifteen thousand dollars per copy. <laughs> so <laughs> you should Dude, that, Taylor's got to be a millionaire off of RML by now, right? Oh, I'm not a millionaire. Um, <laughs> I should have bought bitcoins early on. Oh yeah, man, bitcoins. I'm not. I don't want to get into that though. My God, man. Yeah, we all fucked up. Lee Tingham, he was a guest like a couple episodes ago. Someone paid him for a pancake app in Bitcoin like nice. forever ago for like 50 Bitcoin, and he lost the wallet. Oh, oh no. gosh. <laughs> that sounds that's, like that's like 30 grand. That's 30 that sounds like Lee. <laughs> Lee, if you're listening, I love you, but that sounds Shout just out. like you. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to say a single thing about him losing his uh, wallet because while I've been to stay at his house a couple times, pretty much every time I got there, I'd wash or lose my passport. Lose. He had to lend me a pair of shoelaces because I lost them traveling. <laughs> How I do you lose shoelaces? Shut your mouth, Ben. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think a boot might have snapped one of them. He lent me a shoelace and I never gave it back. And I don't know. I just whenever I go there, I always lose stuff and he always makes fun of me for it. So if now, he lost a wallet, I'm not saying. Shit. You haven't lost anything, or at least you haven't publicized that you've lost anything in quite a while. Now. No, I'm doing much better. I've, I've still got How my bike. Oh, wait, wait. There cats. was still one incident with your laptop. How did that turn out? So my my wonderful, beautiful, charming girlfriend ditched wine all over the top of my keyboard, like the intelligent creature that she is. Um, I, it was fine. It was fine. I'm getting it back tomorrow. Um, all the damage that was done was uh, she... When the wine went all over the top, it didn't work. It, it like when it was turning on, there was a That's question. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah, I know. It didn't like it. It was bad. Um, <laughs> there was this like question mark, and then it, it was like a gray screen on boot. It was a question mark, and then like a no entry sign, and it was it was kind of swapping between the two symbols on the screen, which is really scary. Um, and then after a while, I left it in rice. Uh, I left it in a bag of rice on this desk, and then apparently I came home drunk and knocked it all off, which didn't really laptop. help anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, and then, phones, but dude. Yeah, no, it works apparently. I don't know. Uh, but half the keyboard was broken, so I plugged in a new keyboard, and that worked for a while. I just like taped it on top, and it looked about right. Um, <laughs> and that, that he then fulfills Johnny I's vision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the keyboard you borrowed from me. Yeah, I pretty much just stuck it on top, and it worked fine. Um, you'll get that back soon. I sent my laptop off to get fixed. No, you can keep yeah. it. That you can keep it. That's yours. Oh, well, it was gross when back. you gave it to me. Like, it, the keyboard that, that Zach lent me, I'm very grateful for you lending it to me, but it it was so gross that it smelt. Like, you know you when you keep it. <laughs> I don't want it back. You know when you use, when you use a keyboard, keyboard, you get fingerprints on it? it? I've never seen a keyboard so gross that I could smell it from the other side of my apartment. Granted, Can you my imagine the things small. that just fall out of Zach's beard after lunch? When he's... <laughs> <laughs> that was foul, man. <laughs> I just came home and it, it overpowered the smell of my bin that I'd left there for a while, and I could smell the keyboard. <laughs> I just cleaned it all down with like bathroom uh, spray and, and water. But anyway, the keyboard uh, is fixed. They replaced the backlight, the trackpad, 
and the keyboard. It cost me $250, but uh, I, I have managed to get it fixed. So I still have a girlfriend and a laptop that works, which is nice. That sounds like Perfect. a good excuse to get a new laptop, actually. No, well, I've got a nice, shiny MacBook Pro here. It's the work one. Oh. I, I keep yeah. my old my old MacBook Pro, just keep on trucking with that. I've had it for two years, and it's the, the best it can be before being a uh, unibody thing. I really it's hate not even a unibody? No, that's kind of the point. Like I don't you like two hundred fifty dollars to get it fixed. Yeah, <laughs> it's the it's the two thousand eleven model. Uh, it's got a solid state hard drive. It's as upgraded as it can possibly be. It's fast as fuck. It's really good. And if I ever if the hard drive dies, I can put in a new one. If I need, you know, if the the memory breaks, I can put in a new one. If I have any problems, I can get if it. You spill wine on it, you can put in a new laptop. Exactly. Yeah, if you spill wine on it, you can put things that don't have wine on in it. <laughs> but if you have a unibody uni laptop, oh, you spilt wine on it, buy a new laptop. It's a disaster. So I want, I want my trusty old laptop, you know, just in case. How do you guys feel about the Apple situation? Because, I mean, the, the new iPhones, they're making it so that you can't actually replace the screen because the chip in the top of the screen uh, that plugs into the actual iPhone uh, it has an ID that only is, set, is programmed to only correspond with the iPhone it was supplied with. So if you try and get it repaired, you have to take it to somebody who has a machine that costs $60,000 just so they can replace the screen because you dropped it when you were drunk. I mean, how harsh is that? Apple are doing this purely to make everyone buy Apple Care. Or I don't blame them phones. at all. Yeah. I mean, it would be better if they had more official partners. And if they have official repair partners that were allowed to replace them, that gave Apple a cut of the money, surely they'd get more money than people occasionally buying a new iPhone, smashing it in because they're drunk, and then going, you know what, I'd better get an Android instead because I can't afford $200 to replace it. I don't know, man. It's probably a good business decision. Bring back Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, because he was so against that kind of thinking. Well, that's true. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's very first world. But I mean, if I drop my phone, I, I can deserve to buy a new one, I guess, in my my thoughts. But yeah, I can understand. I can understand the sentiment of wanting to fix it. Where's Zach? Zach, did you die? <laughs> He's done. He's done. He's totally abandoned us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about iPhones, and he couldn't care less. Uh, so, uh, another question we had asked, actually. Um, uh, Taylor, PHP 5.3 support. How long do you think you will support 5.3, and why are you still supporting it? Uh, we're planning on moving to 5.4 in May. So, if anyone listening doesn't know, we, ha we actually have a six-month release schedule. So, like, this 4.1 release coming up at the end of the month or first week of December or so, somewhere around there, uh, that will be um, for six months from there. We'll have another release, so that would add. Uh, that would be May 2014. And with that release, we're planning to go ahead and just go to 5.4, mainly because 5.3 is end of life. I mean, the PHP people have said upgrade to 5.4. So, um, and the the uh, Ubuntu LTS, you know, will be that'll be on 5.5 by then. So. Uh, I don't think people will really have any problems. My my like crappy shared host already has 5.4 and has for a while, so I don't think it's going to be a widespread issue. 
it also opens up the door for us if we ever wanted to mess with traits or anything we could go ahead and start doing that yeah i mean it makes a lot of sense and you can always keep the uh the four branch going for a couple of extra months so even if the next version goes up people can still use an older version yeah um, and we still make secure i mean we just made a security update to three just oh, like shit. last week just like last week so yeah, we've we maintain the old versions if there's any kind of like serious issue vulnerability. But yeah, so people should be able to stick on it for a little bit if they need to. But five point four should be pretty readily available, if not five point five by that time. So nice. Yeah, for sure. Plus, it's just, it should be a big speed increase for people. I mean, it's like twenty percent faster to go to five point four just from upgrading. So yeah, that'd be well, a lot that, nicer. That I feel it's is a point that people. I know you're not confused by it, but a, a point that people confuse a lot is. I've seen people saying about Laravel, why don't they use PHP 5.4? Uh, why doesn't Laravel support? Why doesn't Laravel support PHP 5.4? Because it would be quicker. But the same syntax on. If you're using PHP 5.4, you get the speed boosts, and you can run code that was designed to work on PHP 5.3 on a PHP 5.4 server, and you still get the same speed boosts, right? So yeah. while it, while it's useful to force people's hand to to kind of make them update or give them the incentive to upgrade, um, anyone thinking that just because Laravel is designed with five three as a minimum requirement doesn't mean you wouldn't get speed boosts by switching to to PHP five four, just as yeah. A, and for me personally, like in the code base, having to do in five point three that like me equals this use me <laughs> and crap into closures like that is such a pain, and. Travis catches me all the time doing that, like using this inside a closure just because it's so natural. So I can't wait to have to, or to be able to do away with all that crap. Yeah. You can be honest. You want to upgrade just purely for short array syntax, don't you? <laughs> Not just for short array. I mean, that's pretty nice, but honestly, that closure thing is nicer to me. Yeah. Have you uh, thought about what sort of functionality you might be able to create using the yield keyword and generators in 5.5. Five. <laughs> no, I really haven't, honestly. I haven't given that like a single that, second. What are you chuckling about there? <laughs> oh, you know. You're not a fan of generators? Or? No, I'm a huge fan of generators. Oh, I figured. They're, uh, they're Python-tastic. Uh, <laughs> we, we finally have them. Uh, that was another one of the... the uh, the guy who wrote the article, the PHP is a fractal of bad design, he was going on a massive rant about how PHP uh, only just got generators. And I'm like, no, dude, it's awesome. PHP has generators. Uh, and then he's like, yeah, but it only just got them. I'm like, eh, PHP has generators. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah. I haven't really given a lot of thought to how to use those in the core. Yeah. I was thinking for things like collections, they could be pretty helpful. Yeah. Like you make an ORM call and you get a whole bunch of data back. Yeah, you know, you have just the basic uh, result from whatever the the underlying database query was. But yeah, that's the low hanging fruit for sure. Sorry, I said that's a low hanging fruit for sure. Is the yeah. yeah, you know, when you get you know proper generators in PHP to yeah. fix the ORMs to be less memory intensive. Yeah, because right now we we convert every object to an eloquent model. Every like the raw database data, we convert all that to eloquent models right when you query it. You know, so that does take a little time. Yeah, and it would be as simple as simple as doing something like uh, at the moment where you do all uh, or get. It would yeah. just be like 
generate or something, you know, some other method that does basically the exact same thing, but instead yeah. of processing all the data and returning the, a massive class, which is array, ac uh, array accessible, um, you just return a, a yield and it's a generator and you can use it as such. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to play with that a little bit. I guess you've got a little while. But it's, um, it, it's Laravel, I feel like, is in a very interesting place because a year ago, kind of a couple of years ago, when Fuel PHP was releasing as 5.3 only, it was crazy, right? Everyone was thinking, yeah. how dare you release this functionality as only 5.3? And we were all, yeah. we're going to be, you know, we're going to do what we want, we're going to use what we want, because uh, it was modern and, and cutting edge and fun. Um, yeah. And then obviously it changed so that 5.3 was kind of run of the mill and now 5.3 is the old thing which is crazy yeah so laravel laravel started off doing the same thing when laravel yeah. 3, the first very popular version uh that was released as 5.3 in the same way and it was cutting edge and crazy and then it was yeah. then version 4 was like we might as well use 5.3 because there's no real benefits of 5.4 yet and and now it's at the point where 5.3 is gonna die so yeah it's, it's interesting to see it kind of fall through that way do you think you'll get you'll get back to being cutting edge, or are you just gonna have? That's a rude question. Uh, do you think you'll get back to using very advanced versions, or will you try to keep using the most popular versions for well, you? Well, like I, I've never coded PHP before 5.3, and to me, 5.3 was a lot more like groundbreaking than 5.4 or 5.5, because like with closures and late static binding, like that, I couldn't do the routing without the closures one and i couldn't do eloquent without late static binding from 5.3 so like two huge features that make laravel distinctive were totally impossible before laravel 5.3 and there's not really anything like that in 5.4 5.5 like i think you could do some interesting things with traits but i don't think it's really the same like level of uh breakthrough that 5.3 was and 5.5 i think is even less so uh, than 5.4 like I mean I think it has cool stuff and like the patchwork hashing stuff is nice and that's all well and good but I don't think it's the same like groundbreaking change that yeah. 5.3 was well, especially with the password hashing API you have the compatibility composer package right where it has yeah. the exact same functionality in a composer package so yeah so that's kind of a moot point anyway yeah Taylor I should send you the uh, fake lake static binding stuff we stole from chorus which is the Tumblr, Tumblr framework from when we oh, were yeah. running Forest. Uh, oh, yeah. I, think, I think you'd like to see that hack. That'd be cool. We, uh, when, when we were writing the model layer for the, the ORM we wrote for Forest, we had to fake out some lake static binding and we stole some good stuff from Tumblr. Nice. Uh, I think you'd be interested in that. Yeah, that was a pretty killer feature really. Which version were you um, developing against of PHP, Zach, when you were making Forest? Forest was 5.2. Okay. Yeah, when we wrote Magnus, which was the framework we used to build Forest on, 5.2 uh, was what was accessible on CentOS, which is what we were using. So. Nice. Uh, what are you guys... I'm assuming for production you're all kind of using 5.5. Anyone not? No, we're on 5.2. We're on five three. Five. Oh shit. No, we're on five. Three. We're on five three. I'm on five three, and then we just booted up our first five four box yesterday. I mean, we're Phil. We're still using Symphony Symphony one one. Oh <laughs> snap! That's fun. Our like 
like the templating routing engine of SeatGeek is Symphony One One. Well, the current, I mean, the the We're current not even standing safe. Like if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But worry that to hell that it might just randomly break one day and then you can't fix yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's SeatGeek is Symphony One One in the front end. Right. Like, well, the current the current LTS is still five point three. So, like, I mean, there are some hosts that if they only run the LTS, those people are still in five three. So, seems fair. Well, um, I have great. We we have quite a few uh, kind of tests. Our API is well tested at Capture, so if we we can upgrade fairly flagrantly without ever really caring about stability because we'll know very quickly if there's a, an issue with stability um, because yeah. we only have the one API and that's that's what we're really testing against um, I yeah like just this afternoon I made a feature branch and I was like I wonder if Laravel 4.1 works and ran it ran a composer update did a couple of tweaks and ran the test suite and it worked perfectly fine I did the same thing like when PHP 5.5 came out um, it's still not really easily available on Ubuntu unless you use this uh, uh, extra PPA which is what I use in production. Um, but I just added that and ran the tests and it worked. So I was like, yeah, seems cool. Let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for my local, when I develop Laravel, I have 5.5, you know, running. So when I test locally, it's all on 5.5. And then, of course, Travis runs all three, 5.3, 5.4, 5.5 tests for us, so which is nice. Yeah. Uh, do you have a Vagrant box for developing Laravel locally? No, or? I hate Vagrant. Vegas is the crappiest thing I've ever used, I swear. Oh, Taylor, you're doing it wrong then. Thank you, Taylor. No, <laughs> I campaign Fine. Vagrant all the time. I have a virtual so I'm going I have a to, VM. I'm going to just – I'm going to run this new setup completely different than any other fucking DevOps setup at all. And then I'm just going to let my battery drain like four times as much because I had three projects open at any fucking time. Then you have any electricity at your apartment. <laughs> I travel a lot, Phil. You should you should feel oh, my deal. I move around so much. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I have a VM. I have a virtual box VM, like a full VM. I don't mess with that vagrant crap or chef or any of that. Thank you. <laughs> what? Well, it's just I've done it. It's not that I didn't try it. It just it doesn't work. So like, it doesn't, doesn't work. It does. It does. It does work as long as you don't rely on that bullshit like bridging the file systems thing oh the nfs thing just doesn't work on mavericks and that was always bad times it just doesn't work at all so the way that we we use a, the we set up the vagrant setup at seekeek is we basically build out the vm on we build out vagrant in the vm nginx and have nginx port like proxy pass to PHP running on the host. I can't even describe it. <laughs> no, I can't. No, he runs PHP locally. Nginx is on the favorite. I run PHP on the host. I run Apache on the host. Nginx runs in the VM, and Nginx wow. proxy passes back to the host. Well, that it works. It works really well because you don't do that NFS file sharing bullshit okay, that never works. Why not just run it all on the host? I never had a problem with NFS. Because Python breaks every time you try and fucking update your operating system. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Silence. I'm confused right <laughs> now. No, I mean, I used NFS for the longest time, and it was fine. Um, no, it doesn't work. You're wrong. 
in my experience, it was fine for over a year okay. without a problem. Hold on. Your Taylor Swift is the greatest wrong. framework in the history of mankind, and he doesn't use Vagrant. I just have so a bash script. I just have a big bash script that I run, <laughs> and then I, I clone that box. That's like my base box. And I clone that. Like, if I want to screw around and, like, install, like, Node, I clone the base box and install Node. So, like, I always have that clean base box, and it's bash scripted. That's that's good if you're making them and having them there for a little while. But if you want to keep them running for a long time, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. Like I've been running it. this VM for like six months. Like it literally, it? I have not shut it down. <laughs> okay, what are you using that for? Is that for Laravel development or is that like yeah. a, a day Laravel, job? Laravel, Snappy, everything runs on that VM. It's like the god oh, VM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the way that it, it generally runs. Like uh, I worked for a company ages ago, that like before Vagrant was a thing or whatever. Where they would have like this this one true VM that everyone in the company they had to develop on this one VM, um, and then you'd kind of take your VM and run it locally, and then uh, every time someone would work on a new feature, they'd send out an email being like, "Oh, you have to upgrade this piece of software from this version yeah. to this version. Here's the collection of scripts to do it." And you get like these ten points, and you're like, "Ah, fuck, how do I?" And and it's really annoying. And every, like, yeah. there'd be whole afternoons where everyone would spend updating their one VM and all of that sort of rubbish, which just doesn't need to be done. And like. The, the you'd have the the brand new guy that starts and he gets the VM but he doesn't realize that no one's updated the wiki so that VM's a little bit out of date and you have to install this other shit and configure it all. Seems like and a behavioral problem. How to do it? It's, yeah. I mean, well, okay, hypothetically, it the size of your team. So yeah, I could say if you had twenty developers, it's worth it maybe. I have can't just hit snapshot on VirtualBox and then send that around. That's so hard to do. That's what I would okay. do. Totally. <laughs> Three gigs. I don't care. <laughs> Dropbox. hundred yeah. gigs is what, like, fifty bucks. I mean, seriously. But yeah. no, let's spend. Is that kissing or kissing someone? Wow. Is that Lily? Surprising. Anyway, so there's like. I hope it's Lily. Let's spend like four hundred developer hours building this vagrant box because that's so much easier. Four hundred hours. Well, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. What are you talking about. It's like four the, hours. the vagrant box is nothing whatsoever. Like with VWE, you spend like five minutes you, uh, building the box. You can download pre pre made boxes. It's not anything to do with vagrant. It's vagrant is the base, and then you add the chef or the provisioning of some sort, and that's the important part. Phil, yeah. how many yeah, days vagrant... have you spent on chef? <laughs> every what? Friday, every Friday, I see a Phil tweet like <laughs> chef's broke. <laughs> All right, so I've had problems, but I would genuinely say that it's helped me out a lot more in the long run than it has caused. That's me because you had so many hours invested. You can't just say, "Hey, I wasted two months of my life." I year. I regret every decision that ever <laughs> led me to using Chef in the first place, and every life. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean it genuinely helps out. Like we have uh, we have an iPhone developer that doesn't know shit all about sysadmin stuff. Uh, he wants a, a copy of the API running locally so he can hit it up. So I said, sure, here's Vagrant. Did, uh, here's, you know, Chef's already running. He types Vagrant up and imports a database file. He's running. Um, and things like that. Like, we, we can create new servers on the fly. Uh, we can do a lot of really useful stuff with Chef, and it is pretty damn cool. Apart from when it breaks and then... <laughs> Which is all the time. All yeah. the time. <sighs> so the things that break are tricky. Uh, sometimes your Vagrant box has a different version of Chef than your live box does. And that was because I was using pre-built Vagrant boxes instead of building my own with VWE, which I now do, and that's great. Uh, other problems are I used ops code uh, managed chef, and you can flip a coin and see if it's up or not. Like, it's <laughs> it's really not ideal. 
Um, and I want to switch to, like, Chef has to live, like, the center of all the cookbooks and all of that logic lives in this central place somewhere. And you can make a Chef server yourself or you can use theirs and pay them, like, I think it's like 100 bucks a month. Um, I'm paying them 100 bucks a month and it's very rarely working. Uh, Do you have, so, like, one server? No, we have... Um, we have API servers, admin servers, front-end servers, okay. all that shit. How many servers do you have, and how often do you scale up on your server? We have 10 different servers. I use uh -huh. Chef to deploy stuff every Friday to staging and Monday to I don't to care play. about your deploys. How often do you add a new server? How often do I create one? I usually... I changed my deployment setup recently where I used to just make a new server to deploy the new code because deploying and provisioning was the same process. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually use Chef for both deploying and provisioning. Creating a new server, not that often anymore, luckily. Um, the f we have some I troubles. I would love to be in that boat. Yeah, we have some troubles where like uh, Amazon quite regularly will just say to us, guess what, we've decided to delete this instance in a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> so then you have to like make a new one. You gotta love um, that. Now of course you could, you could, what a lot of people do is they use Chef to provision a, a, an instance. They take an image of that instance and make an AMI, and then whenever they have to create a new instance, they then uh, use that AMI to create it. But then if you have to update them, you have to go through that whole process again. So we just use Chef to build from scratch a new server. It takes half an hour, but I don't care. Um, and then if I have to build a new queue server or a new Redis system, I just run that, go and get a coffee and come back and it's done, or drink two coffees because it takes a while. Um, and it, it works out pretty well. Like it, it takes a while to get used to, and you don't always want to use Chef if it's just you on a project or like two people. Like Zach, could, what, what were we saying about making this T-shirt company? It's like, well, let's just run some Bash scripts. Just fuck it. We couldn't be bothered. Yeah, that's what um, we're doing. We're running Bash scripts. Right, but if it's if it's a day job or if it's a open source project or if it's an ongoing project where you have a GitHub repo or a few of them and there are more than a couple of people, it makes sense. If your project is you and somebody else getting drunk and trying to you know just make those servers and write the code. Um, in your spare time, maybe don't bother, but it, it really has helped out a lot of capture. All right, I'll take your word for it. So, how many servers do you have, Phil? Uh, 12. That's that would take like one day to set up 12 servers, and you'd spent like four months on Chef so far. I've spent, <laughs> I've spent, <laughs> I've been learning Chef and using Chef. It's been like months just tweeting about Chef, so I can imagine you how much time you spent servers? on Chef. We we have testing servers with Jenkins and all that shit on there, and we have uh, staging and production servers, yeah. That's a lot of servers. Yeah. Build it, and they will come. They're doing serious shit, unlike you, Zach. Nah, we have... Uh, <laughs> we have the site that nobody uses except me. Yeah, well, a lot of them are, are micros. I mean, we have... Uh, ben, we have you, you, you use our site, Ben. I love your site, Zach. Damn. Yeah, You're gonna get a very tight hug next time I see you, Zach. Oh, sick! <laughs> yeah, at the uh, at uh, Laricon when I speak at. <laughs> oh, I'll be speaking there too, so we can actually share a room. We'll save them some cost. Nail it! Shit! Yeah, we can share a room. Taylor, take notes. <laughs> I'll we just saved down. you like a thousand dollars. You can save even more money. You, uh, even more money. You can all just come and stay at mine. <laughs> there we go. Nice. Well, if it's in New York, you can all stay here, too. It is actually in New York, right? Because Ian gave that away today. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We don't have a venue nailed down in New York, no. Okay, you heard it on the town hall first. 
It's in New York. We are looking at New York. <laughs> we are we are exploring opportunities in New York more Taylor heavily than other cities. Here we go. <laughs> go ahead and book your tickets. I want to have it in Arkansas. Uh, somebody Arkansas. We have a question. Is it worth learning Chef or Puppet if I just push all my Laravel apps to Heroku? Nope. God, no. It is not worth learning anything. It never no. is. Never learn anything. <laughs> yeah, learning things is scary and sometimes it's hard, uh, so I generally avoid it. Uh, what other questions? I'm looking through the IRC. We have a couple of people asking things. Oh, what's shit. Taylor... I forgot we had an IRC. Yeah, what's Taylor's deal with Vagrant? Uh, I think it touched him when he was younger. Next. Um, <laughs> no, I think that's that's all we have. Somebody somebody says boo ORMs boo, so that's not a question. Um, <laughs> Unless it has to do with me speaking at the next Laracon, I'm not interested. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, it might be time to call it a day. Um, what was I going to say? I had a series of things that I was going to say at the Hold end. On, I had notes. Let me check my notes. Yeah, right. Well, so everyone remember to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're seeing this now, there's a very good chance you're on it. So click that subscribe button for next time. Um, if you are not, you will still be able to see this on YouTube um, until we eventually get the audio file up. Um, two months. It will be under two months. It will be two months of editing. Ben likes to make before, sure he gets it right. Yeah, before he like... He also has to remove all of my borderline libelous statements about other developers that we all know, um, which is quite important. <laughs> um, wonderful close-up of Zach's chin. Uh, so, and again, remember... To, uh, all right, hold on. Okay, I got my notes. Uh, Taylor, the people want to know, what code editor do you use? Uh, Sublime Text 3. All right. Oh, an edge. Is that stable? Must yet? have plugins. Yeah, you don't use three. I, no. I use the three. only plugin I use I is the uh, the linter, the PHP linter thing that shows me syntax errors. How often do you write other than PHP? Do you do much uh, JavaScript or is Eric handling No, I haven't written JavaScript in like two years, for real. Wow. I haven't, I haven't written anything but PHP in a while. Um, I did write some .NET uh, not too long ago because I was messing around with this unrelated idea but really just php eric eric is like our backbone js copy script wizard okay poor guy yeah it's nuts i, I can't even read that stuff <laughs> do you have to like talk him off the ledge often <laughs> no i think he likes it actually yeah. i think he i think he's used to it masochist yeah all right next question do you stand by the statement that Laravel is the greatest framework ever? Yeah, pretty much. Like, what else would I say? <laughs> if I, if it, like, what I would be using something else. I if think I didn't it was think your it argument was. with what? Uh, was it Paul? Who was? Who were you arguing with? When you no, it was one of the guys from the ah Boston, Philadelphia. It was a PHP user group that you got into an argument with. Oh no, this is a different one. Sorry. That was yeah, San Diego. Arguing... That was San Diego. Uh, it that wasn't was San Diego, Diego where you said this, right? You said. Sorry, no, sorry. For the greatest framework ever. It was a different one with Paul Jones. Those two were at it for a while, and I was in the middle of just being like, guys, you're both pretty. Please, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Paul Jones, actually. I mean, yeah. I disagreed on that one statement, but overall, I like Paul Jones. Um, I mean, but if it if I knew of a better framework in PHP, I would be using it. So, like, I don't know what other logical answer I could give to that question other than, yeah, I think it's the best framework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the bomb. 
All right, I'm done with my notes at this point. <laughs> uh, Matt Frost asks where I buy my shirts. Obviously, from the Goodwill around the corner. Um, Jack Woodcock asks, "Hey, isn't that a chain? About... Sorry, that's a chain." Uh, no, it, what it, kind it, of hipster are you? It's the whole joke. The Goodwill is the place where hipsters buy their clothes. It's the thrift store where Macklemore does his thing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't even get it. I'm a bad hipster. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> we have more questions. Uh, another question. Why the change to input cookie from cookie get in 4.1, Taylor? Okay. Oh, shit just got real. Yeah. That's, like a, that's a complicated question, but basically... In 4.1, we adopted uh, some stack PHP stuff, which is a project that um, a couple of people are involved in, but I mainly talked to Igor. I think it's Weedler about it. Yeah, this He's is the, actually, um, we had Igor on. This is a very interesting project. Yeah, and yeah. Dan, uh, Don Gilbert, who was on, on their last episode, is also working on some stack PHP stuff, which is pretty exciting. Stack PHP is a, a kind of a port of rack PHP. Um, yeah. So it's a port of rack to PHP, right? That's what I meant to say. It's, uh, yeah. I blame this labelless beer. <laughs> so in Laravel, um, you probably already know that we encrypt all cookies that are sent to the browser. And so we moved that functionality into a stack middleware that is, it's really framework independent. I mean, it's, it could be used with other stack stuff. And that uh, kind of affected things in the sense that now, like when you're interacting with cookies inside of Laravel, they've already been decrypted, like they're plain text. So if you do like request and then get the cookies from the Symphony request, like they'll be plain text. They won't be encrypted anymore like they were in 4.0. And so when you set a cookie, we don't encrypt it right away anymore. We only do it on the way out of the middleware. So that's why um, it's, a, it's a little different, but... It's kind of minor. You can still use the same syntax like cookie git and uh, all that stuff. Is there anything else that you're planning on moving over to uh, the middleware? Yeah, we have like two or three middlewares. So we have one middleware uh, that sets the, what's it called, X frame options or something like that for like um, iframes and stuff. It sets it to same origin by default. That's called frame guard. That's a framework agnostic middleware. And then it seems like there's one more. There's a session middleware. So, like, the session is booted and closed from a stack middleware now. Cool. How many middlewares is too many middlewares? I don't know. To me, it's like a – it's such a simple pattern that it really makes a lot of sense for any, like, HTTP-level stuff. So anything we do with the HTTP level has been moved into a middleware, like the starting of the session, which, you know, we pull the session cookie and stuff or, like, translating the cookies, all that crap is in middlewares now. I'm impressed that you answered that tr useless troll question with a, a very useful, interesting response. So, <laughs> um, that sounds pretty interesting. Do you, do you see stack PHP as something that you're going to be using a lot more of? Are you going to get involved with much of React PHP and all those sort of cool things? Because uh, Igor and the lads seem to be working on some, some good stuff with those two projects. Yeah. Yeah, I like React PHP. I played with that a little bit for... Um, this thing in 4.1 called PHP Artisan Debug, which kind of got turned into uh, a totally separate thing called PHP Artisan Tail, which in 4.1 you can say, you have your remote config file now, so you have remote.php in your config folder, and you can set up like all your servers for the SSH stuff, and now you can say uh, PHP Artisan Tail Production, for instance, and it like SSHs into the server and runs the tail command on your Laravel log file 
and spits it all back out live. And we were, I originally messed with doing that with um, the React, the socket stuff in React, but it was a little bit more than what we needed for that feature. Uh, so we just took kind of a simpler route, but I like all that stuff. I don't know if we'll have a lot of stack middlewares in the future. I mean, I think we'll have a, a few, but I don't think we'll ever have like 20 stack middlewares, you know? No, that makes sense. Um, I've, I've seen some pretty cool stuff coming, like the uh, stack robots, and it's a way of like dynamically building robots files and all sorts of crazy things like that. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think we're running pretty uh, pretty close to time now, um, so we're going to have to have to call this a day. As I said, um, uh, YouTube, get on YouTube and subscribe. Um, you'll be able to see things a long time before they come out. Um, definitely tweet about this if you enjoyed it. Tell your friends. Follow us on iTunes. We're on there somewhere. Google for us. Um, and follow us on Twitter. We are PHP Town Hall. Um, please send any questions you have next time or guest suggestions. Uh, we seem to have really good luck with getting people on um, uh, on the show. We've managed to drag Taylor back uh, for a second time now, so it seems to work out. And, uh, and Zach's always always around to, to talk with us, so that works out as well. Uh, also, um, iTunes ratings would be appreciated. Helps our uh, rankings a little bit. And personally, I just want to say thank you, Taylor, for coming back on again. Great, that was fun. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, see you next year, dude. And, uh, and thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm already sweating on here. <laughs> Are you doing drugs right now, Taylor?